Hello and welcome to the Marseille View. My name's Stefan and tonight I'm joined by Ben, Ed and Maxime. Hi guys. Hello. Right. Hi, hi everyone. Firstly, Maxime, it's your first time on the podcast, so just say, firstly, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Um, as always, um, when we get our um, guest first appearance, we always ask them if they don't mind just saying a few words about their connection to Marseille. Do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners, please? Yeah, uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, uh, so I am Maxim. I am from, uh, so basically I'm from Paris. So I'm one of these guys who is <laughs> who in Paris and who prefers Marseille. And by the way, I'm also one of the only one, the only one in my family to be a fan of Marseille and everyone else is... Uh, the boys are from proper PSG, oh uh, but that, yeah, it used to be like a kind of war at the family meals when we when we get invited. At, uh, but that's okay. Um, and it's been now how many years I've been supporting Marseille? It's from 20, 2007. So it was maybe one year after I uh, fancied football uh, after the World Cup uh, when France get the final against Italy. I fancied football and um, I decided uh, to support Marseille, especially after a game of the French Cup uh, against Lyon. Um, I remember this game, we we were one nil down maybe quite all the game. And we finally get the equalizer from Mikhail Pagis uh, in one of the ultimate minutes and finally won the game 2-1 in the extra time from a goal from, Man- from Mamadou Nyang. What a game. What a game. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what's a game. And at, at this period, of, uh, I was uh, quite neutral. I used to, to just watch any game of football with my dad uh, at TV. Uh, I, was, uh, I was like 13 or 14 years old. And uh, yes, I could see the the atmosphere in the velodrome at this game. It was so crazy, and uh, and I was like, okay, so if I had to choose one team to support, it would be Marseille, definitely. That's brilliant. Cool, nice one. When we came to the Champions League for the first time after a few years, if I remember. Brilliant. Yeah, some good memories there actually um, for myself too. Um, yeah. So just um, thinking about today's podcast. So um, as always, we're going to review. Marseille's last match, so yesterday's game against Nantes. Um, we're also going to preview the upcoming game against OGC Nice, and we'll talk through any news stories that have appeared over the last week in the press. And also, finally, just because it's still the summer transfer period, we will touch upon some of the transfer rumours um, that, that have been circulating over the last week or so. So, um, just to start off with the first item, so yesterday Marseille were away um, at Nantes, um, at Stade de la Bourgeois. Um, it was a nil-nil game, nil-nil result, sorry. So, um, probably not the the performance and result we were looking for, was it, guys? Um, you know, on the back of the defeat last week. How did you find the game? I didn't have the chance to watch the game, uh, but I could see some images of the what happened and yeah uh, I think it's hard to find words to <laughs> but um, yeah it's at the same time it's um, it's not that surprising according to what we used to see for the last few months from the team but also it's just 
uh, sad to see uh, it still keep going. It's never, like it's never gonna change in terms of uh, yeah, in terms of choice. Uh, I just hope uh, AVB is not gonna uh, keep the same choice as Garcia used to do. I'm a bit bored of saying same shit different day, so I'll rephrase <laughs> what I'm about to say. I'll sum up the performance in five words: angry, disappointed, tired, pissed off. That's all I've got to say. And if you only say five words, the podcast is going to be really short. Um, you want to have nothing more to say than that? I've got, I've got, I'm stunned for words. Really. I can't believe the performance. I thought when your play pro went, you're supposed to give it all for the shirt. That was bloody disgraceful. I tell you what, this is the next trade of bloody kindergarten children. You're a pack of arseholes. That, be- that better, Steph? Yeah. Did, do you not think, though, it was better than the previous weeks then? Well, anything could have been better. Anything could have better. Watching someone carry a, carry a, carry a gorilla into a wheelbarrow and throw it into the River Thames would have been more in better than that. Say. Jesus, not, not too sure about your metaphor there, Ed, but um, I'll, I'll go with it. Um, I, I think if we, guys, if we remember back to last week, the, the only, the main, I remember the main thing I said was, so there's Rizal, I, I, I predicted a draw, actually. I remember predicting a 1-1. It was a nil-nil, so it was the same. I The main thing I said was, I hope we bring fucking balls onto the pitch and we, we put in a performance and, and the players actually show, oh, last week was a bit nervous, we're at home, under pressure, and we shat ourselves, we, we're okay. And, and it just wasn't there. Hmm. As Ed says, nothing was there. Maxime said the same. It was, it was an identical performance and, and form to what we've seen over the last few months. And... That is probably the most disappointing thing beyond the result. And and to be honest, even if we'd have scored the penalty, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a bit, and we'd have nicked a win, I'd still be quite concerned if if we'd have played the whole game the way we did. Um, okay. Um, you know, I was just thinking like the... I, I, well, I felt personally like the performance was a bit flat, but I did think it was um, particularly the last sort of 20 minutes, half an hour, where we really kind of just fell out the game completely and Nantes were just, you know, putting a lot of pressure on us and we just looked like we were incapable of, you know, coming back into the game, getting the ball into the other half, really, and and creating any chances. Um, I did notice as well, though, that, like, when Strutman came on in the second half, that we especially looked flatter than before. Um, Did you... Did you feel that maybe there was a maybe some tactical issues in the second half that maybe took us out of the game? Well, it's been, there's been tactical issues all season and, and all last season, but the, the the main tactical issue is that the tactic is the fucking same. That's the main tactical issue. So we we in the first half, I think we had the phase of I think it was before the penalty. We had a, a brief five minute spell where Payet cut inside a couple of times. He had that shot on goal which. To be fair, he couldn't really square it to anybody, so he took a shot from the edge of the area. And those those were the five-minute highlight of our, of our game going forward. After that, <clears throat> we produced absolutely nothing, whether it was down the wings, which is which we seem to prefer is getting it out wide and trying to put a cross in, or through the middle. We just produced fuck all. I don't even know if it's... Um, yes, there's probably, there are probably tactical issues and um, combined to a lack of concentration, lack of focus from the player. Uh, because um, I could see the chance we, we gave away to none uh, on the last 20 minutes and it looked like, like yeah, no one on the pitch uh, 
seemed concerned about about uh, about what they had to do, finish this game and try to get the win. Yeah, the, there was a lot of ball watching. There was a lot of ball watching. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it seemed the only tactic was hoof the ball up to Demetri and see what he can do. I don't think Strootman really did anything. I think Strootman just stood there like a statue. I don't know if it... I think they looked very... I think as soon as Benedetto missed that penalty, the, the mood went flat. Yeah. And I think that's just how it is. That's, how, that's what happened. You know, it's all destroyed. You know, after what um, happened last week, it, it was... We needed a bit of spark. There was nothing there after Benedetto missed that penalty. Absolutely nothing. And yeah. it just it just seemed like they wanted to go home. They wanted to get back on the team bus, drive back to Marseille, and then spend two days massaging their egos. Because it was just... It was embarrassing again. Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, you're, you're, you're quite right. Um, I think before the penalty, I'm not saying we were playing particularly well, but we looked like we were capable of, you know... <laughs> make it, you know, trying to attack and maybe getting a few chances throughout the game, but after the penalty miss, we it did seem like our heads dropped a lot, and we just um we just seemed to kind of lose sort of the, the 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 will to really make a mark on the game. Um, you know, we we talked about um, you know, Stripman coming on. We talked about the midfield being quite flat. Um, Sansong actually had a really poor game as well. Um, but I, I think like we can probably all agree that you know Gustavo and Lopez what a surprise weren't very you know weren't much better either. But um, actually, one of the things that I you know I, I took from this game and it's you know and it, it's kind of all it's adding up actually you know cumulatively every game over the last sort of six months or so. But I feel that like there is a kind of lack of dynamism in our midfield um, and the players that we've we've brought in and, and how we've constructed the midfield. And it kind of reminds me a little bit about, I don't know if any of you remember when Deschamps was a manager and, you know, the, the season we won the league, we had Cissé and Lucho Gonzalez and Sheru and we were quite a solid midfield. And Deschamps was obsessed with bringing in, um, you know, a big, tall, strong defensive midfielder and he brought in Alou Giara. And as soon as he brought in Giara, our midfield suddenly, you know, looked quite flat. And um, I think towards the end of Deschamps' career at Marseille, that midfield just had just no dyna- no dynamism. You know, it was slow. Um, it wasn't really sure. You know, it wasn't really clear who was, you know, who was doing the work, who who wasn't. You know, what individual roles were. I don't know. Do you see any parallels? Yes and no, Steph, because the the context is different. Because you've got to recall that. The, the midfield we had with Edouard Cissé, Giroud and, and Luce was complimentary because Giroud was, was the one who would win the ball backs and, and Cissé was doing the similar role to Gustavo where he tied mm. up in front of defence, but Luce was very creative. The, the main the main difference we have with back then is that when you compare when Alou Jaro came in, you've got to remember we lost Mamadou Nyong, Ben Arthur left, or no, he didn't mm. leave, but he went downhill. So there, there was a, a change in, in, in dynamic in the team and the way we set up so Lucho looked a bit lost those first few months after Jaro came in but especially after he lost his you know his automatic his automatisms as they say automatism in French with, with Nyong because he was gone so we had to rebuild our role uh, our whole offensive sector which led to obviously lacks in midfield but that midfield was much stronger than the one we have now the problem is with the midfield we have now yes it's not dynamic but the players are all the same and and if you compare mm, okay. to to Lyon, for example, on on Friday, Aouar 
you know, their first goal, he he breaks away through midfield, he goes through past a couple of players and he, he, he takes a shot, not from much distance, but he still takes a shot from outside the area and scores. I don't think we have a single midfielder who can do that now. Yeah, what you're trying to say then is about the, the impact. It wasn't a long thing I had to say, but I think, yeah, so if I understood what you're trying to say, Ben, was about um, the impact the Lyon midfielders uh, are able to bring to the team. And we have basically no impact in, we, yeah, we, we don't, we don't move any, any opponent with the, with the midfielders we have so far because they don't, uh, really bring any any fight, any any spirit, basically. Mm-hmm. So you think it's more psychological then? Well, yes and no. It's, it's down to the profile. I mean, Maxime, you're right, yes, because they all look a bit off form and off off colour, but they're just too similar. And I, I, I do remember, if you think back, and how shit is it that we have to praise Zombo and Gisa, who, let's face it, when we look back now, he's actually a good player for us, but he would sometimes pick up the ball and, and knock a few players off the ball who would come and challenge him and suddenly that would create space and then he'd pick a pass or he'd give it to someone who would pick a pass and we just don't seem to have anyone like that. As soon as one of our midfielders gets the ball, they automatically seem to be very conservative and, and look to not lose it rather than taking a risk. Like, uh, make, like making back passes? Exactly that, exactly that. Yeah, I'd agree. There's a lot of side passes and back passes and yeah, not really like we're not really looking to play football and I guess we're not we don't we're not confident enough, are we, to like attack, to look to create and score goals. It seems like we are a bit clueless when we've got the ball about what to do with it and like, maybe that is a confidence thing, maybe it is a um an issue about, you know, the the profiles and the players and how we've the the eleven that we've constructed, I don't know. Yeah, they're lo- they, they look lost, we, and uh, it's like they um, it's like they didn't prepare any any offensive uh, action as soon. As, so when you get the ball, you you try to to find you trying to find uh, this one or this one. It's like as soon as you get the ball, yes, you have the ball, and what's next? Um, actually, I just wanted to think about like some of the individual performances. Sorry. Um, so obviously we saw a debut from Dario Benedetto. Um, I mean, I mean, firstly, like we'll just point out that he, you know, obviously he, which I'm sure everyone will know, is the missed a penalty. Um, but apart from the penalty, do you think that he made a positive impression on you on his first game for Marseille? No, he cost the game. Sorry, you've got to be clinical for crying out loud. Ninety minutes. Could change a season. Just one ninety minutes. Mm. If Benedetto missed penalty, if we get to a Champions League spot, which I don't think we will, if we get there, we're two games away, we're six points behind, and if we can't do it because Benedetto cocked up in, against Nons, you know he is to blame. I'm sorry, I thought he was crap. I'll mm-hmm. give him another. Ch- I'll give him another chance against Nice. Of course, I'll give him another chance. But you can't... Miss got, you've got to give him longer than that, Ed. I'm, Ed, I'm, gi- him I'm giving him till Nice. Nice is the big pl- time. Nice, nice, the South Coast derby is the big one. You can't judge him on two games, though, even if he's crap against Nice. Though. I'll, he's like... I'll, 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 give him, I'll give him time. I'll give him time, but he's got to step up. Just a touch more. I'm not yeah. expecting him to be banging in 30 goals by December. But I just want a little bit more. Just a touch more. Mm. A little bit of that balls, that, that South American balls that you bring over. <laughs> whack it into <laughs> it, <laughs> it, 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 it,
the, the irony, guys, I mean, I, I saw this on Twitter today. The irony is that one of the main criticisms that a lot of people in France have been pointing at Benedetto is that he's a penalty merchant. <laughs> well, well, for fuck's sake, we didn't see that yesterday, did we? Jesus Christ. Rugby, rug, rugby, rugby penalties, yeah. But that's, that's another story. I th- I just I knew he was going to miss. Like I I saw where he was standing, and he you know he was too far back. He was behind the eighteen yard box line, and and then he was start fiddling about with his tongue. You know, and the fact he's fiddling about with his tongue, I was like, oh fuck, he's nervous. You know, like um, he looked surprised that it was given to him. Well, he was, but I'll come to that in a minute. Actually, um, I don't know if any of you watch boxing, right? But if any of you saw and like Anthony Joshua when his recent fight when he got beat, he was also playing about with his tongue. Before the fight, was that with Andy Ruiz? Yeah, and he just looked well, like his body was... language just looked. Oh fuck, he's nervous. There's something, you know, he's not in the right place. He's fiddling about. His eyes are all looking all over the place. And Benedetto's body language, with his tongue, he's white, you know, suckling it around. I just thought, oh, he's not right. And I've got a theory anyway about penalties that I think, like, you know, whenever people are too far back, they're behind the 18 yard box line. I always think that's that's too long of a run. You're more likely going to hit it over the bar. Or you know, not place it very well. Same, similarly, if you're too close to the ball, you, it's also not a good thing. You need to have the right level of distance from the player to the actual ball. Otherwise known as the Pogba ridiculous fucking run up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, like apart from the penalty, like um, well, actually, so on the subject to the penalty, you touched upon this Ben. Like I think there was um, it came out after that. Um, Payet was supposed to take the penalty um, and they practised that in training um, and then Payet decided to offer the penalty to Benedetto, being a sort of good teammate, wanting them to get his first goal and Benedetto said that he wasn't expecting it um, so maybe, I mean that is a factor in why he missed it you know, he wasn't he wasn't prepared to, to hit the penalty, he was taken, taken out, you know, taken by surprise by the gesture it was, it was. And look, we, we know Payet is our designated penalty taker and the whole team knows that. So unless, I, I mean, I, I to be fair, fair play to Payet, I admire the gesture because we all remember when Mitroglou was short on confidence and he went, I, I think, I can't remember which game it was, but Payet went round the, the keeper and squared it to Mitroglou so he could score. And that, that actually served as well that season because it reboosted Mitroglou and he got a few goals after that. But... I understand why. What I don't understand is that even if the coach has said you're the designated taker, you would. If I was Payet, I'd go to Benedetto and be like, "Mate, welcome to the team. If we get a penalty, I'll give it to you. I want you to score goals. It's coming your way. Not not just to because it was all wrong. Payet actually went to claim the ball, and then carried it, and then gave it to Benedetto, who had his back turned when Payet had claimed the ball because he, he was completely expecting Payet to take it. So, it, look, it, it's it's shit. I'm disappointed that he missed and it was a horrible miss. Let's face it, he he absolutely, as you say, Steph, the run-up the run was wrong. You could just tell the body language was wrong. Um, mm. But yeah, I'll let, I'll let the other speak on this incident and then we'll go into the analysis of his performance in more detail. Yeah, thank I'll you. finish up with that. I understand, I understand Payet doing it but his good sports, his good teammateship cost us three. I thought I, I, I can understand if Benedetto had gone 15, 16 games without scoring. I can understand that. And I'd appreciate Dimitri doing that. But for goodness sake, we're two games in. Two games into the season. You've got to give it to Pyatt. 
get the goal, get the three points, and then we'll be off and running. But get this good teammate, Jim. Oh, you have this. Oh, you have this. Take the ball down, give it to your designated penalty taker, score it, we'll get on with the rest of the match and we'll win. That's what should have happened. Not give it to Benedetto, who looked like he was about to shit himself on the pitch. Uh, after, yeah, we can say it's, uh, it can be an excuse for Benedetto. Like, yeah, he's just, he just, he's just got into the team. But, um, but yeah, I just, I just hope he's not gonna, he's not gonna mess up like this uh, all the season. We don't know yet if it's gonna be like this. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely lacking of confidence so far. Uh, he's discovering the new a new league, which is obviously not an excuse for a player like this. Uh, especially if we look uh, if we look at the um, at the price we pay to to get him. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I, I, mean, I agree with your comments, guys. Um, I, I think Ed, I think that's a really good point. Actually, is like you know it's the second game of the season we hadn't actually scored a goal yet you know we need to just get that goal in and not think about it's too early to be worrying about getting a first goal for your new striker you know we just need a first goal for the team um and you know three points yeah. I, I, I don't want to i don't want to open a tin of worms here but it almost looks as if you know beyond payet's generosity and this is not me begging the devil and, and trying to find the little the little the little bug in payet but he didn't look like he fancied it earlier. Yeah, either, I wondered that as well. Which is quite worrying as well. Aside from the penalty, did you guys see anything in Benedetto's performance that made you hopeful for the future? So I, I, I told I told you guys on the group. I I liked his movement. I liked the way that particularly on um, the the solo effort the Piat had when he cut inside and he got through a couple of plays and then he had the shot. He couldn't actually have squared it to him because. Palois did a very good job of staying on Benedetto, but um, I liked his movement, which was straight, straight to you know he as soon as Payet got past one player, Benedetto was head down, running forward, straight to goal, and um, th- the rest of the game he was in the box consistently. He did he did win a couple of of knockdowns or chest downs where he was able to play it back, um, particularly in the second half. I remember there was a cross by Payet where Lopez volleyed it straight at goal, which I remember thinking at the time he could have actually taken a touch, but I don't blame him for trying. And then when that chance came to Benedetto and Payet crossed it in, Benedetto's first instinct was to bring it down <clears throat> and pass it back. Unfortunately, it was a bit too far back for anybody to have a shot and gobble. But I, I, I liked his movement. I liked, you know, I liked a few things I saw, but again, it's too early to judge because quite frankly, you know, I, I, I've now came to the conclusion fairly early on in the season that you could put Benedetto, Germain, Mbappe, Cavani up front, even, you know, fucking Drogba. The fact is, we're not creating chances for our strikers. That's the main worry for me. Uh, I could hear that um, Benedetto, yeah, um, I could, because I didn't see the game, but I could hear, um, yeah, he was, uh, he was really often in the box, uh, taking some chance. Um, it wasn't that precise because I could hear he was making a lot of headers or something like that, which were not, were not precise. Um, maybe, but I think yeah, as it's one of the it's it's the the first game where he starts from the beginning. Um, yeah, we can we can just uh, at the moment uh, give him the benefit the benefits of the doubt about uh, because it. 
he doesn't know that much the, the organization, the tactics of the team. So maybe, hopefully, mm -hmm. a few games, he will be more able to, to fit into the organization and maybe, uh, maybe more well positioned uh, to, to have good headers and be on the right place to, to, to get more chance and be more focused. Agreed, and he didn't have. He's he's, he's not had any preseason either, you know. So I think that's worth mentioning. He hasn't he hasn't featured in any of the preseason friendlies. Steph, that's well, yeah, he's not he's not featured with the team, but he he's joined us halfway through the season in Argentina, so he's meant to be match fit and and well into the season. Although despite his injury, but yeah, he's not had time with the team. But the, well, back to your comment, Maxime. He doesn't know the organisation of the team. The fucking team doesn't know the organisation of the team. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, for I think the yeah the team uh, struggles. Yeah, as the team struggles to to create chance for him is also another problem. And uh, yeah, it's uh, the big problem is uh, yeah if um, if the team uh, struggles to find him and he struggles to to understand how the team works. Yeah, it's pretty. We never work for the season, so. Yeah, let's hope that it's gonna change this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think Ben more uh, Ben has maybe a better opinion than me about that because I guess he's uh... okay. Um, right. So um, just actually thinking about another de debutant, um, Alvaro Gonzalez um, played at the back and plays with Chaleta Saar. Um, I thought he had a really good game, guys. I don't know about the rest of you, but I was quite impressed with Alvaro. Any thoughts on him? Ed, do, do you want to lay in with the criticism before I say something positive? <laughs> Go ahead, Ed. Actually, actually, for once, I'm having I'm turning a new leaf. Um, they played all right. I mean, it's a difficult game. Nonce, very sloppy, very defensive football. Bores you to tears. Same with us, really. Um, but he played all right. He, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't cause howlers on howlers. He didn't give Steve lots of work. I don't think he did that bad. Considering I thought he was absolute shite before we, when we signed him. And I think some of you in the chat were saying, oh God, what we've done here. But I don't think he played that bad. You know, I'm willing to give him a shot. It can't be as bad as some of the other defenders we've had in the past, like <coughs> Rami, <coughs> Mud Wrestler, <coughs> Slime Bag, <coughs> Best <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked him. I, I thought he was good. I liked particularly his attitude. Um, there was a there was a funny anecdote during the game that because um, um, he had a bit of a scuffle with um, was it Koulibaly, the, the non-striker at some point, and the Ken Bruce commentary was saying that he had a scuffle with Messi a couple of seasons ago, and he said to Messi, "For the fuck's sake, you're really small. You're hard to mark." And Messi said to him, "You're really shit." And Gonzalez has replied, at least we both agree on something. Um, <laughs> but anyway, who knows if that's true. But I, I liked him, I'll be honest. I liked him. I like his mentality, which is he, he's like a Spanish defender where he's he's quite technical, to be fair to him. Mm -hmm. I wasn't I was quite surprised by that. But also mm -hmm. his range of passing is quite good. Yeah. Um, but also, I have to say, to be very honest, I think he'd be better suited with a partnership with Coletta Carr than he is with Kamara, but time will tell. Mm. Why do you think that? I, I think they're complementary because Coletta Carr, Gonzalez has got that, that reflex and that experience to take a step back when the ball comes forward, the long ball comes forward. Coletta Carr tends to go up for the header 
Kamara doesn't do that. Kamara always looks a bit lost when there's a, a ball forward and there's a striker to mark because he relies on his, I wouldn't say his pace, but he relies on on his capacity to recover and, and get back and get into a good position to get the ball back. Coletta Carr will go up for the challenge <clears throat> and Gonzalez will, has got that sort of sweeper mentality where he'll step in behind. So I, I like him. I want to see more of him because, as Ed said, compared to our other defenders who have supposedly got experience, I think he, he did quite well for saying he's someone new to the league and he was one of the last people to join the team. I want to see more of him, but I, I welcome the experience in defence and I hope he carries on like he started. All right. A couple of other performances I think were worth mentioning. Um, firstly, Kamara. Um, I thought he had... Uh, well, I, if I said he had a terrible game, I think that would be a bit harsh, but I think he had some moments in the game where he was really, you know caught out and you know fell short um just again i think we talked about this last week but there's just some real worrying signs with him actually that he's maybe his confidence is low he just seems to be making a lot of mistakes wouldn't you agree uh i thought it was quite odd actually but you know something's up with this geezer i really do think something is up something's inflated in that guy's mind i don't think he played that well i would say it was diabolical it wasn't carrying wreck it bad but I don't think it was it was one of his more poorer performances I don't know how I don't know if he works better with Soleta Char or if he would rather be with Martinez well we've got to try that against Nice end of okay. it's Gonzalez don't do don't do a Jacques Arriero and get his name wrong it's so, sorry 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 Gonzalez <laughs> my apologies my apologies Gonzalez Everyone, don't, you're not the only one. Everyone, and I've noticed everyone on Twitter keeps accidentally calling him Gomez. <laughs> yeah, get, get, get your PowerPoint out, Jesus. To be honest, I'm quite uh, rubbish at analyzing the defensive performance of the players. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm more, I'm better at offensive, but yeah, defensively, um, uh, what can I say about Camara? Uh, no, because, I've, yeah, I don't, I don't want to to make some bad prediction about how he could be if he, if he stays in Marseille, of course, with, uh, which I wish, because, yeah, it's, uh, for me, he's still good, even if uh, he's making some mistakes sometimes, maybe because he's young, he's young again. Actually, that's a thought. Um, we're going to come on to that later on, just thinking about his situation. Um, but yeah, we'll come back to that one. Um, then, you know, just finally, there's one more player that I wanted to talk about um, from the game, and it was Mandanda. Um, I think we'll probably all agree that he had an excellent game, actually, particularly in the second half, where he pulled off a series of really good saves um, when we were under pressure from Nantes. They, were hitting quite, they had a period where they had quite a few shots in, um, long-range shots. Um, yeah, um, it's good to see him back to that level again, guys, Don't wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Go. Absolutely. What a performance. I didn't think I'd be saying that a few months ago, but that was a fantastic performance. Yeah, to, make two, to make two saves when they're coming down and you're bearing on you know, the Nantes attackers and to keep the scores level, I thought was great. I think, for me, he was man of the match. It was amazing. Yeah. It was brilliant. This was this was the Steve Mondon that, that saved us from relegation in 15-16. And this is the man who we trusted and who took us to the Europa League final in 2017-18. Fantastic. El Phenomeno, I think, oh. is back. 
Fucking hell, how, how to follow up on Ed saying something positive. Um, <laughs> no, Just let it set. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Um, I, I, we, I, I made this comment last week, Steph. I remember we discussed it towards the end. I, I actually think that he's the type of player that the armband improves. And, and that was confirmation of that yesterday. Beyond his, his obviously improved physical form and... He seems to be in a better mental place. Um, yeah, he, he was back to the Mondodo of old. Um, it's always it's always a shame when you have to agree that the keeper was the man in the match, especially when you're him and, and you expect to, you know, hope to be winning these away games against a team that, let's face it, was not better than us. They were they were at least the same as us. But um, no, he was he was outstanding. More more than just the saves he made. I think it's the way compared to last season. I remember a few incidents last season where he made similar saves, like reflex saves, but he was pushing the ball back out to a striker straight away, and we were conceding quite a bit from that. And actually, all of his saves yesterday were decisive in the sense that they they completely got rid of the danger in front of goal, and he was very very calming for his defence. Um, and let's, I mean, let well, maybe I, I know this isn't a point that we'll develop on, but for, for I know we've discussed AVB in the past and his proneness to be pretty weak at set pieces. I thought we did very well at defending set pieces yesterday. And mm-hmm. fuck's sake, I'd never thought I'd hear myself say this, but Amavi was quite decisive on on heading a few corners away and heading a few crosses Way. away. Way. Positive about Amavi. I know. Yeah, he was quite decent, actually. No, no, it's fine, but you're, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I never thought I'd hear myself say this, but I think defensively, we we were much more solid than the week before in terms of organisation. But the main concern is, fuck's sake, we're two games in, we've still not scored. And, and more worryingly, I don't think we've created more than two or three clear-cut shots on target in the last two games. I don't, I don't, yeah, which is true. It's, uh, yeah, it was uh, more solid than the, the game against Nantes. I don't know if it's because uh, Nantes was uh, less dangerous or something, but uh, uh, yeah, but to, to come back about uh, Matanda, yes, which is true. It's, it reminds us the the gold years when, uh, when uh, it reminds us like 10 years ago when it was like the one of he was also one of our most decisive players because he saved us tons of times uh, when we were when we were really um, pushed away by the the opponents. Uh, it reminds me a game against Lorient uh, three years ago when we we were not too close from um, from the second division this year because it was the year with Mitchell and uh, it was a game away against Lorient and I remember I think it was a nil nil if I remember well. And Monada was like, yeah, decisive in the same way. It was just before he left to England to play to Premier League. And, uh, but yeah, the, the, the physical work he did on himself uh, proved that he's at least self-conscious about himself. He knew that uh, he, he wasn't in a, good, in a good shape to help the team. So he knew he had to make some work on himself to help the team and uh, that's good for us because at least yeah we we i don't want to say um, we are lucky to get a draw from not it's sad to say that we are lucky to, to to get back from not with a draw but at least yeah with him we we are not like 3-0 down um yeah i think um 
I would say you're right. You know, with Mandanda, like he, you know, he clearly wasn't happy with himself and you know his physical shape. And all it's almost seems it's sad to say this, but it almost seems a bit like he was like fat shamed. You know, he was criticised so much about his his weight and his performances last season, particularly the end of last season. And it looks like it's hot actually, and he's gone away and done something about it. Um, but yeah, um, but like is you know if this is what we're going to see from him and you know throughout the season, then great. You know, like I'm pleased to see that he's gone into the gym and kind of tried to make himself fitter and more agile. And you know he's taken you know his performances you know seriously, and he wants to be at the the, the level that he was. Um, okay, um, I think we'll just final point on that. He is the only player who seriously underperformed last season. Who's who's improved? He's gone from three out of ten last season to seven out of ten so far. None of the other underperformers have. Well, you could say Amavi's first two games have been decent, though. I mean, not nothing great, but they've been decent. Right. So, um, actually, a couple of things I wanted to just talk about um, before um, you know, non-game related. Before we move on to the news, um, at the end of the match. Um, Andre Villas-Boas was pretty cross because some of the players had gone straight down the tunnel instead of going and um, saluting the home the, the away, away fans for sorry for travelling to the game. He looked really pissed off, and there was you know images of him you know, caught of him shouting that the players get over here, you know, and insisting that they clap and show their respect to the fans. Um, interesting incident actually because you know we got to see. The, the coach, you know, visibly pissed off at the players, um, you know, and also just the, the fact that the players reacted in that way, you know, that they're obviously annoyed themselves at the result or whatever. They look, maybe they're disillusioned um, about the state of the club or not, but it can, there's a lot of things you could potentially read into that incident, wouldn't you say? Yeah, um, I hate to get out my stroke box again, but I have to remind these players... There are people in Marseille who are living below the breadline. There are people who haven't got two pennies to rub together. There are people who are living in estates where they don't know if they're going to make it out alive. There are people who are unemployed, who haven't got a hope in hell of getting a job. And these lads decide to go into the dressing room, ignore their fans who've travelled halfway up the country to go and see, to go and watch their team play. And they don't even have the courtesy to applaud and have to be whisked up, whooshed on by AVB. It's disgraceful. You know, they should have a week and they get away from their mansions, get away from their fancy cars, get away from their private lifestyles and actually live a week in what Marseille sport actually lives in. You know, having to get the train or the bus to work or to training. Living in a house where you're not exactly guaranteed food on the table every night. This is ridiculous. Someone at the club has to say, you are getting more and more disconnected. The Velodrome is now basically 11 overgrown babies than overgrown than men who actually stand up for the club values, stand up for Marseille, stand up for the badge, who sweat 90 minutes for that badge. None of them do that. And that was a disgrace. You do not do that. And the fair play to AVB saying, come on, out, go and applaud them. Because AVB just looked like he was about to frockle them. That was shit. Right, okay. 100% agree. 100% agree. Um, it is what it is. And to be fair, though, well, I'm not going to side with the players, but not many teams do that anyway. But 
look, it, it is what it is. I'm happy to see that from AVB because we'll, we'll probably touch on this shortly, but his attitude so far from, I mean, guys, we actually met the guy and when, you know, when we went to the friendly in person, I've liked his mm-hmm. attitude. I like the fact that he, he, he knows that he's, well, I think he's so slowly realising that he's walked into a fucking shit show, but he's also realising the importance that the fans place on the team. And uh, as you said, Ed, Marseille, the city is a community place on, on the club. And, you know, they could be having the shittest life ever. If the club wins five games in a row, they'll all be happy. So, yeah, I, I'm credit to AVB for that. But at the same time, I don't. We know that the club is running a, a vast communication effort and marketing effort, and I think I. I mean, having seen AVB in, in other leagues and stuff, I, I think this is genuine. But at the same time, I'd rather see him focus on improving efforts on the pitch rather than, you know, getting aggravated about this type of stuff. I, I really hope he was more aggravated about the performance than he was about the players not applauding the fans. Yeah, maybe more generally, it's um, yeah. I think he's more he's concerned about the professionalism of the players. AVB. Uh, yeah, he wants. I think he he can he realize that the players sometimes tends to to not care about uh, their responsibilities. We we can say in some clubs we can say that yeah, it's the fans are not the most important thing. But yeah, in Marseille, it's definitely more important than everywhere else in the world and uh, it shows how the, the players are concerned and we can see at the moment yeah, the, 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 the commitment of the, from the players uh, with the fans yeah it's like shit <laughs> it's uh, yeah if uh, in any case yeah I knew if I know if I had to, to employ uh, some guys who to, to care about the customer services for a company, yes, I won't hire them. Yeah. Because, hey, hello, I have got a problem with my brand, but yes, okay, I don't care. <laughs> and that's it. They would be like that. And uh, and that's, that. yeah, that's obviously what we don't want to see from any players, any players, not only in Marseille, but in football in general. Oh, Ren have just equalised against PSG. Get yes! Up yours, you parry wankers. Oh, sorry, Max. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm the same as Max, mate. I grew up in Paris. I support Marseille from Paris. Anyway. Yes, yeah. Rennes have equalised. 1-1 one, one, PSG Rennes. Yeah, ah, one, right. one. Cool. Okay, guys, so I think we'll move on from the Nantes game and just you know give our thoughts through the next match against Nice, which is actually on the 28th. So I think, I don't know if there's an international break or not, but we're not playing Nice until the Wednesday. What do you think? What are you expecting in terms of a result? It's at home, but Nice are in quite good form. Though, it's not. It's away. It's away. Is, at, is it? Uh, oh. Yeah, it's away. It's away, which is which worries me quite a bit. Um, nice have been, in, as you say, decent form. But um, as you say, there's a 10-day break. Their takeover is meant to go through between now and then. Um, um, gone through. Hmm. Well, I, well, apparently it hasn't because there's, there's some debate about... Um, well, this final things to iron out, but apparently they're trying to make certain moves in the transfer market that the the actual owners aren't willing to to front up, despite getting guarantees that they will get reimbursed when the takeover goes through. But anyway, Nice are in a very positive vibe, in, not just in terms of results, but in terms of of the atmosphere at the club. I think you can sense that 
big things are going to happen there in the next couple of years. And and they've they've got a you know Vieira. I I wouldn't say I rate him highly, but I. I rate him higher than Garcia, let's put it that way. And I think he's an ambitious manager. And yeah, I'm, I'm quite worried about that game. I think it'll be a feisty derby, if I'm honest. I think that we will see a reaction from the players in terms of fight and getting stuck in. But I'm worried that that will lead to a sending off or two on our side. I do not see us getting a positive result there. I think we will lose 2-0. 2-0, oh dear. All right, um, Ed, what were you? What are you expecting against Nice? Well, for once, I'm actually going to be a bit positive because we need a bit of positive energy about this. This is a South Coast derby, but we actually have a good record. You know, we've, we've won last two meetings against Nice. I think we'll win. Oh, fuck it, let's, let's, let's win. We always beat Nice. Nice just drop bollocks and bollocks and bollocks and we always beat them. I think we'll win, but it will be a boring game. So I think 1-0, maybe a, a fluky goal by... Uh, Gonzalez or some cheeky penalty from Dimitri. We can do it. We can beat Nice. For God's sake, if we get our acts together, get our heads together, realise how much this game means to the supporters. It's the second biggest game for me as a fan because I want to beat them. I want to beat Nice. Nice wants the upstart. Upstart. Let's prove them that, let's prove to them they are not the biggest club in the South. We are. I think we'll win 1 0. And we'll shut them up, and we'll shut their new owners up. Okay, all right. Um, Maxime, what about you? What do you think is going to happen against Nice? Okay, I guess it's uh, my role to stay uh, to keep it neutral between Ben and Ed. Uh, me, yes, I was uh, more thinking about like a one-one uh, between the two teams. Uh, with um, I, I think we can improve from the. From the last game we we did yesterday against them, but for for me, yes, I think it won't be enough again, uh, unless they 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 there is like a transformation during the week, and uh, they have like a like they try like if they decide to to become proud of themselves, yes, why not? But uh, for me, yes, I think we I prefer to keep. Uh, to stick to the one-one, the, like a draw, but at least we score one goal. Okay, right. And uh, yeah. Okay, well, I think um, I'm kind of swaying towards Ben. Actually, Ben's views. Um, I think we're, we're going to get beat, maybe one 0 maybe two nothing. Um, I don't think there'll be a lot of goals because Nice don't score a lot of goals all the time. They're they're quite strong defensively, but they don't have. Um, well, they haven't had a striker for a while, like or someone clinical. And I know they're going to bring in new players with the new owners, but that's not going to happen right away. And those players might not, even if they bring in any players before we play them, they're probably not going to feature um, much, um, if at all, at that game. But yeah, I think I'll go for 1 0, maybe 2 0 um, to Nice. And I think Nice will probably, as you said, guys, they might be riding on the um, excitement about their new, their new era. Um, but yeah, hopefully not. Um, I'm. I don't mind these. You know, I'm not. I don't hate them as you know. Even though they're a, you know, kind of south coast um, rival, but their owner's a bit of a dickhead. The new owner. So I mean, for that reason, I'm not. Mr. Radcliffe. Yeah, I'm not really positive. And he owns Team Minios, Team Sky. To the, yeah, which I hate them as well. So for multiple oh, God, reasons, yeah. I'm not. I'm not like 
over the moon about him, you know, buying a club in the French League. But yeah, we'll not even discuss his political orientation. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. that will make things a lot worse. But anyway, I'm not saying I'm just saying he's a bear end. That's all. <laughs> um, I, but... I mean, I don't, I don't hate Nice, I don't hate Nice either, Steph. But I know we've got good record. We won the last five against them. But we could just do it. Let's just put them back in the box. Um, okay, guys. So let's um, just co- cover some of the news stories that have come up over the last week. Um, so yeah, the, probably the main, new, the biggest news story we've seen was. Um, Adil Rami was sacked by the club and um, he's had his contract ended um, as a result of something to do with he what well, he wasn't training he was um, on a French game show and when he should have been available um, and that's well that's the reason that the club have taken um, for ending his contract it looks like he's going to get some he's going to challenge that whether you know whether that decision is lawful to terminate his contract Um well, firstly, guys, are you surprised that that's happened? And are you disappointed or pleased that um, the club have taken those measures? Jesus Christ. I mean, where to start with this topic? I mean, <laughs> shit, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, it's like me and Ed have swapped roles tonight. Um, we, we know that he's going to sue us and he's going to win because the methods, the methods are all wrong. And despite the reasoning, and I, I agree... I can understand the club's logic for doing it and trying to exploit anything they can to sack someone, but this looks like constructive dismissal. I mean, it's exactly what it is. But regardless of that, I hope he goes and he signs for a new club, which allegedly may be Nice, yeah. which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but no, good, good good riddance. Glad to see the back of him. He he acted like a dick last season. He was He was good his first season, and thank you for that. Same way as ever, it was decent for a few months when he joined. Thank you to both of them for whatever they contributed. Um, his negative contribution outweighed his positive contribution. Glad to see the back of him. But again, the method is all wrong. And again, what kind of message does this send to players we may be interested in signing? Because if we sign them on too high wages and it all suddenly decides, or the manager suddenly decides that they're supposed to requirements... Are we going to go around trying to find dodgy reasons to sack players, knowing that we'll lose in the long term and we'll have to pay for it? And this, I think Eero is hoping that this will be dead and buried or he'll be gone or whatever by the time it gets resolved. But this it's bollocks. The way we've gone about it is bollocks. It's shameful. But I'm not glad to I'm not I'm not sad to see him leave, honestly. Okay. Ben Ben, he was literally caught mud wrestling in Fort Bayard. I think that's a pretty sackable offence, if you ask me. I know. It was, but it, it's not. It's not that he dodged training. It's the fact that he declared himself injured, Steph. Um, yeah, to okay. be more to the point, he he said he was injured and unavailable to Garcia, and apparently there's this whole story that he sent a text message to Garcia and Garcia approves, which is being denied by the club. But anyway, that that is the whole point: is that if you're injured, you cannot partake in what is seen as other sports activities, which he did. The idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went off. He went off Fort Bayard and mud wrestled. Uh, yeah, yeah, there will be a, a PR meltdown over this. I know Rami will sue. We'll go to court. He'll get a bit of money so he can spend on pizzas and hookers. And then we'll have this whole repertoire of it when his biography comes out. Oh, they treat me like crap. Oh. Look, look, a deal. You played all right first season. 
but then you went down to the toilet, bought you a Bertie big ball because you won the World Cup by sitting on your ass doing nothing. And then last season, you were shocking. You were when when teams looked at the lineup and saw you were in it, they thought, right, we've got three points, or we've got a chance to get a point. This guy was a twelfth man for the opposition. I don't care for him. I don't, I'm not going to be sad to see him go. I'm not going to be crying that Adil Rami's gone. There's far more important things in life than worrying about what some Shea footballer who couldn't even keep Pamela Anderson about pissing her off. You know, I, I ain't going to care. I, I feel sorry for Pamela. I feel sorry for Pamela Anderson. She's been taken for a ride in this whole mess. And Adil Rami wants a bit of sympathy because he went mudressing on Fort Bayard? Get, get fucked. Honest to God. If, if, I, if I got decided on my... When I was... If I'm at uni and I decide, you know what, I fancy joining the army or I fancy getting on a tank and driving it through the streets of Chester, I would be disciplined and I would probably be thrown out of the uni. Rami should not think he's above the law because he spent the grand total of zero minutes in the World Cup and picked up a medal so he can act like, I own the club. You better do this. You better do that. Forget it. I don't care. Stuff him. Uh, I'm not that surprised about uh, the way he's been, he's been sacked because, uh, yeah, we owned by uh, yeah by uh, by an American owner for three years now, and in general, they have this reputation that's yeah don't mess up with the Americans. Otherwise, yes, they don't care about what you can say after you you messed up once. Okay, go away, find another club, and that's it. In general, they are. I know they have this reputation to to work like this, and so I'm not that shocked if uh, Rami has been sacked in such a manner. Because um, he may, he may be, yeah. He, which is true is it's um, it's his messed up. Uh, he wouldn't have been sacked like that if we had another owner than uh, than we have today. But yeah, well, with the the way we are we are organized today, yes. It's, uh, for me, it's not like it's no, it's not that big deal if we lost uh, a player like Rami, like because yeah, just as Ed just told, is uh, yes, if on the last season he was pretty, he was he wasn't pretty useful uh, in the team because he didn't play not that much game. He was physically, he was physically fucked up. So, um, so that's not a big loss. But uh, yeah, and uh, for me, I'm not shocked about the way he's been sacked. Okay, right. Um, so a couple more things just to mention. I know we're running out of time. Um, just there's some uncertainty about contracts for both Kamara and Lahaji. Um, I know they're both separate issues, but, but because we're running out of time, we'll just try and deal with them just very quickly at once. Um, I think Kamara's rumored to be off only have been offered a two-year contract. Um, plus an option for another year, which seems a bit odd. And the Haji as well, he's been offered a first professional contract, but um, I understand that he's asking for more money. Um, do you have, you have you got any worries that these these guys are going to be signed or we might lose any of them? But I'll, I'll state the facts before we go into it. So apparently, so this is Canal Plus, which, fuck's sake, I mean, we know... I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them, but they, they do seem to have a little bit of information. So apparently the initial offer to Kamara was two years plus one, which 
quite frankly, is is absolute bollocks. But um, that, it doesn't that, sound that, believable, does it? It sounds odd. No, no. Yeah. Well, 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 you know, if, if you've got a player that you reckon is bankable and and big clubs are inquiring about, you'd want to time down to a four or five year deal, especially considering you've just given a four plus one deal to a fucking twenty nine year old. You would think the club would want to tie him in and do a Nasri type of deal, say, right, we'll sign you to deal and we'll let you leave next summer if a £35 million plus offer comes in, which is which would be fair enough. But So I'll, I'll wait to see if anything official actually comes out about that or, or if it gets confirmed what Canal Plus have said, because I don't frankly believe that right now. But, yeah, it's just very strange. And, and the fact that it's dragging on is obviously playing on him on his performances, which isn't good either. To the Lee Hardry situation, apparently after the US tour, we offered him a fifteen grand a month contract, you know, three year deal. And after the Napoli game, and let's be honest, he came on and had a pretty good impact, even though he didn't really it's not like he scored a hat trick. His agent then turned around and said, We want fifty grand a month and we want a four year deal. And and I, I reckon Touchwood being 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 you know reading between the lines. I think he will sign with us. I don't think he wants to leave, and I think he's he's just exploiting the situation. Which is the fact is he's clearly going to be in the first team squad next season because we're not going to sign anyone else. Which means I reckon if we could find an agreement between thirty and forty grand a month, we'll do it. And let's fucking face it: if we don't give him that money, another club will. This is the way the transfer market has evolved, where clubs bet on potential. So if we don't give it to him, someone else will. And we can't risk losing someone like that, that we could potentially make 20 or 25 or 30 million of, who knows, probably more of, in, in a couple of years if he develops into the talent and the promise that he's shown so far. So I think we should just... In, you know, instead of looking outside the club, we should focus on outside the club, sign them both, give them what they want, and then if we get a good offer for either of them next year, cash in. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I echo, I echo uh, Ben's thoughts. You've got to pay the two. They played well. They're, they're young guys. They could be the future of this club. I thought Kamara, and I still think Kamara needs to be paid. And he needs a new contract. He needs to stick around for a few more years. And then if he becomes world-class, we can do what we like. As for Capel, if I've got this name right, if I haven't, I do apologise. Lahaji. Lahaji, sorry. Lahaji. Oh, God, I get them. I, I've been getting confused with the midfielder who was uh, number 29. Shabral, that's it. My mistake. Yeah, he played all right. Why don't we give him a shot? I mean, fifty euro, thousand euros for three years is nothing in contracts these days. I'm, I'm, I think we should pay them both. I think they're young, they're talented. Let's give them a go. If it was a twenty-nine-year-old, like another streakman, I'd say run from the hill, run to the hills. Do not pay that person a dime. But for goodness' sake, they're young. They're young talent. We can invest in that. For goodness sake, pay them. What are you scared of? In case they go bust, just sell them all if they don't. For crying out loud. Okay. Um, Maxime, have you got any worries that those those players, these young players, are not going to sign with us and we could lose them? 
Yeah, this is our chance to keep players who likes Marseille because they actually like Marseille. They want to. I think they. I think they really want to to stay in this club. And this would be. Yeah, this was. This would be a bad loss to to let them go abroad or whatever. And um, because who knows what they're gonna do if uh, if they go somewhere else, but in Marseille. Um, because we don't even they have the chance to to step up in their car in their respective career if they um, if they stay in Marseille because they can uh, they are from Marseille so they know what the atmosphere is they, they, they know what it takes to to be a player of Marseille so so yeah if we have no one from this region uh, who is staying in the club it's uh, it will be quite complicated because we need at least to have uh, to keep some players who really know the, the atmosphere of the stadium, uh, all of this stuff. To otherwise we will lose the yeah. It's uh, it, it can also be a risk to lose the identity of the club if we don't keep at least some uh, young promising player from the from the academy. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent agree with you. That's what my thoughts in the situation are, Maxime. Is that um, it's about the identity of the club. You know, it's really important that we have these players that are from the from the club, from the city, that love the set the club. You know, and have a connect an emotional connection, and hopefully they'll that will show on the pitch. You know, eventually when these players are settled and become, you know. Um, you know, senior players or you know professional players that and you know with it build up their experience. You know, it's so important, um, and it brings that connection with the fans as well. Okay, um, we've got the Mercato um to cover, um, but we're you know as I said we're we're low on time, so um I think we'll just kind of quick fire through some of these names that have been floating around. So um. Just firstly, in the last week, we've been linked a lot with um, Juan Miranda, left back for um, Barcelona B. Um, it's been said that he might be quite close to signing on a loan deal. Um, is it a player that you have, I don't know if you've checked him out, but is it a player that you'd like to see brought in or not? Not familiar with him, but we do need competition at left back. Would be happy if we get him on loan deal. Would prefer if we got him on loan deal with an option to keep him and um, one of these classic Barcelona Real Madrid clauses where they can sign him back for cheap look we need competition in that position I'd be happy to see him join we need players we need new blood okay yeah definitely yeah I know yeah because I've heard that we it can look um, suspect to um because there is maybe a reason if if a club like Barcelona wants to to sell one or maybe just loan one of his players, maybe they estimate that is not that good. But in the position where we are actually, I think we we have not we we don't have a, a loads of choice um, because uh, so yeah, for me it's still one opportunity to to um, to have one player that has been said. Yes, having some competition with Amavi, which uh, who who is who who is like in the comfort zone and who is not, he doesn't like, uh, he doesn't um, push, he doesn't push himself actually. Ed, 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 before yeah. you go, before you go, sorry, yeah. some good news. 
Ren have just scored what? the second against PSG. <laughs> yes! Two ones to Ren. Two ones to oh, Ren. God! Go on, Ren! Right, okay. God, shut up! Okay, we're, we're living by Sorry, procurement, aren't we? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah right, Ed. Sorry about that. Yeah, okay. I'll, back to back to Marseille. Um, I think he could be something, but uh, if we use an example where, four years ago where we got supposed young talent from big club, and I, I'm going to use this example because I always will use this example. Uh, we remember Lucas Silva. Uh, when he came, Lucas Silva. We all thought he was the bee's knees when he arrived. We thought, right, we've got a midfield that can do the job. And he was, well, I mean, unfortunately, circumstances played into it, but he was awful. So I would approach a caution. Um, obviously, if the price is right, let's go for it. But if they want, if Barcelona B want above and beyond, we need to think of it twice, o- over it more than once. There isn't much time, I know, but we need to get this signing right. We can't afford to have expensive losers around the place, you know, looking completely mundane and miserable. We've got to get this signing right. If he's good, I haven't watched any footage of him. I, 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 I trust... Barcelona beef, they you know, it's an extremely tough academy to get into. Um, I think we should give him a shot, but we should approach it with caution. And if he does go wrong, we mm. should say, well, we did warn you about what happened last time with Lucas Silva. So I'm in the middle, really, with this one. OK, right. Um, another um, rumour that's come up in the last couple of days, well, just in today... Sorry, since yesterday we played Nantes and Valentin Rangier, um, we talked about last week on the podcast that he's been linked with us. Um, I read today that Nantes might be expecting 20, 25 million euros for him. Um, Very quickly, um, is that a price that you would be willing to pay for this player? No fucking way. No way. Um, if, if if we had no, but honestly, if we had sold Sosa for twenty five million, and they ask us for twenty. Okay, that's fair enough. I I don't see where he fits in, and and even worse than that, I don't see how he makes a difference to our midfield currently, which is which is more worrying because, again, he's a good player and he seems to actually play in the Gustavo position, but. Shit, are we actually looking for a player in that position? That's not that's not the profile no. of player we need. We we need the physical player who can break lines and who can have a bit of imagination on the ball and try and pick out a pass. And he's not the one. That's my reply. Yeah. If it twenty the, the money would be better spent, chuck it in the Mediterranean. I uh, I don't think it's a good signing. I really I don't think it would be a good signing. I mean, we're stacked with midfielders. We've got four already. We don't need five clogging up the place. If we got rid of Sanson, I would have said, Sanson, sorry, fine. Okay, sign him. If It wouldn't be a good deal. But we, no one's bought Sanson. Sanson's still here. Do we need another midfielder? No. We need to work on the defence. We don't need five midfielders. We're not trying to build something like a Christmas tree formation. We're trying to get the right balance. We don't need five midfielders. We don't need to think, okay, it's the 83rd minute. Okay, let's stick him on. Let's see what happens. We need signings that are going to be useful. Ron Jay won't. We might as well chuck the money into the frigging Mediterranean. Yeah, no, I, no the thing is, uh, yeah, I just want, I just don't want the club to, to spend again 20 million or 25 million or, or whatever for 
another players and we we won't have any clue about what we have to do with him again uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, that's being that that's getting repetitive to to spend uh, money like that on players we and after that they are just completing the the team but uh, yeah we we have to yeah it's <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm losing my words about that, but no, it it won't be a good choice for me if uh, we just recruit uh, unless unless we unless we we manage to to sell to sell someone from um, from a player we already have. But uh, the midfield, yes, is being um, is 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 uh, is going to look like a traffic jam because uh, yeah, we have a lot of midfielders and uh, some of them are. We don't know. We don't even know what to do with them, and uh, maybe we we lack of strikers, basically. Hmm. And uh, but the problem is uh, now we don't more, more wingers, more wingers than yeah. strikers. But yeah. So Radonich is yeah. I have no words about Radonich, but yeah, we. But the problem is wingers or strikers in general are more expensive than midfielders, and obviously we can't afford any wingers or midfielders or strikers sorry because yeah because maybe we spend too much money on useless players <laughs> yeah um yeah i would probably agree with all that um just i think like the non present is notoriously difficult anyway and i think he's probably just trying to get as much money as possible and make negotiations di- difficult um we saw in the last week that one of our long-term targets some massacre I think Diadi Samasiku, um, player from um, Salzburg, looked an interesting player, went for 14 million euros to Mönchengladbach, I believe it was. Was it Mönchengladbach or, or someone in Germany? And um, yeah, so I, I, you do, I do worry that we often throw money in, you know, in the wrong places and we're paying more than we should be for players and missing out on the right players. Um Personally, I would prefer Strickman to go, but to be honest, at the moment, I'm quite happy to see anyone go. Um, but yeah, I agree, wingers probably seem more of a priority right now, and Radonich has been so poor. Um, AVB, Vilas Boas has said himself that the, the I thought, oh, has he? Was it Vilas Boas or Zubizarreta? One of them I read has, has said that they might be looking to bring in a winger, but we don't have any money, so where's it going to come from? But yeah, anyway, just uh, moving on from that and thinking about wingers, Tovan, we've talked about him, you know, being the most bankable player um, for a long time. Um, Vilas Bos said um, in the last week that he didn't think it was likely that he would leave because the English market's closed. Is there any clubs that are going to be willing, that are going to be able to pay the money for Tovan? Um, but in, in the last week, we saw that Valencia. Um, were linked with Tovan um, because of the well there's a sort of domino effect um, so I think Rodrigo was potentially moving to Atletico Madrid um, and then Valencia would look to replace him with Tovan um, and at the same time Atletico Madrid are selling Angel Correa um, Argentinian winger to AC Milan so that means that um, AC Milan's right one as Suso is available and he's been then Suso's then been linked to Marseille as a replacement for Tovan. Um it's all highly like speculative. Um is Suso a player that you think would be uh, 
interesting replacement for Tovan. Oh, for God's sake, no, no, no. I don't want Suzo. Suzo is shite compared to Tovan. I don't want him. There's no point selling him just for someone who's a bit worse. Just keeps Turban around. I know he's going to cost an arm and leg, but oui. no, I don't want to. So I don't want him to replace Turban. For goodness' but sake! We don't have. We have to keep Turban for me. Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. Even if we and let's imagine we he leaves Marseille this year, Turban. So who who is going uh, to replace him? Uh, to be honest, who is who? Which wingers in Europe is going to find Marseille in a, attractive enough to to replace Tova? You don't know. We have no. There, oh, Everyone is going to another club, but Marseille. Is the kind of player that you need to sell him at the start of the window, or even have it in place before the window opens, so that you've got time to identify a suitable replacement, isn't it? Yeah, that, that, that's the that's the main problem with all our transfer dealings is that we. Like Samasiku, I'm willing to give Iro, because I remember Iro declared in May or something that we've got agreements in place with players, but that doesn't depend entirely on these agreements. It depends on the money available. I honestly think Samasiku and Rongier are two of those players who we've been, we've told them, when we can, we'll come in for you, wait for us. Samasiku, I reckon, got bored of waiting. He had a good chance to go to Germany. I think he'll do very well there. Fair play to him. Don't blame him. Very, very frustrated to have missed out on him because he's exactly what we need. Physical, technical midfielder. Um, Rongier, I'm less sure about, but it is what it is. And Tovin's the same. I'm, I'm, I said this last week. I, I wouldn't be too sad to lose him if we got 35 or 40 million for him. But I'm very worried about how we would replace him. Suzo is not the place to replace him. He's completely different. And quite frankly, he doesn't really inspire me. He, he's, he's not magical. And as Maxime says, there's, there's no other winger available who, who is a starter in their team, who's a star player, who would want to leave their team to come to Marseille. So... We're we're going to end up if he leaves at last minute. We're going to end up with someone like Buffal on loan or or some last resort. Adam Unas, I think, is the other one that's been linked. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're not well, they're, they're not really the same quality, are they? They're, they're both kind of exactly. Then they're not going to contribute. They're the kind yeah. of players that you would expect to sign for Saint Etienne. No disrespect to these clubs, you know, but they're out of favour players, you know. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd still sign him at OM. I'd still sign him at OM, but but. But not to, to replace Tovan. Yeah, to play to to substitute Tovan yeah, exactly. from time to time. Exactly. Not to replace him. And that, that's what worries me. So the, the the number of goals and assists we're gonna lose if Tovan goes is gonna be shocking and quite frankly, seeing AVB's recent comments about the situation, if we sell him for anything less than forty or forty five million I honestly think he is capable of walking and saying to to management, guys, you fucking blagged me. I came into this club. You told me that we would sell one player. And and this late in the window, you've put me in an impossible position. Fuck this. I can't do anything with this. So that's what I'm most worried about. It's like a Bielsa situation, isn't it? You can see that happening. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, there's some worrying similarities going on. You know, if that happens, you know, it's about broken promises. Um, The thing is, the thing is, is, if AVB did that, I'd clap him off. I'd say, you know, well done for sticking by your principles. We get into the situation 
Ben, sorry, Steph, we get into a situation every damn transfer window where we get our fingers burnt constantly. If we sell Turvan now and we get no one there, our season's fucked. That's another year about Europa League, it's another year about the Champions League. And that's more money lost, that's more revenue down the, tra- down the drain. And if we lose AVB, who the hell are we going to get as manager? Who the hell is going to want to come to this shower of shit? It's like a bonfire. And it was just sticking the players on. Oh, we need to stop thinking. Money, money, money. If we're not going to get anything good to replace it. What are we going to have the manager go? Just, oh, I can't do it anymore. For fuck's sake. Yeah, and even, even if we manage to, to sell to Hotoba for 50, 55 million, so what's gonna what's next? We we gonna use this fifty five to 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 buy who to buy another? Well, no, no, but but the, oh. but the truth is, Maxime, we won't use the fifty five because clearly McCaw wants wants some money back in his own pocket. So the likelihood is we will have probably twenty of that fifty five, or or if it's less than that, thirty five is probably the more realistic figure. We probably have fifteen of that and. The likelihood is, from what we've been hearing, we'll just sign someone on loan. That is why we're being linked with guys like Buffal, you know, it's because they're looking at bringing in someone. Yeah, it's going to be someone on loan, isn't it? Okay, um, I think we'll finish up with that um, for tonight. Um, just to say, um, if anyone noticed um, today, I believe um, Mario Balotelli actually just signed for Brescia, um, his hometown club. Um, I'm not going to talk about it, but, you know, it's just an interesting move. Um Kind of sad to see him go, and we didn't really. Personally, I mean, I would have liked to have seen him a bit longer, but um, for a full season. Um, but yeah, um, thanks for listen. Um, sorry, thanks very much, guys, for taking part tonight, and um, thanks very much, everyone, as well, for listening. Thanks, everyone. Yes. Thank you, thank you, everyone. Cheers. Cheers, Bye. guys. Bye.